Welcome to the third episode of What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. I will be hosting this uh, midweek podcast today, and I'm going to be interviewing Ross, the boss, Pastor Ross, um, and as my kids say, Ross boss toilet paper sauce. That's an interesting one. You like that one? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's a good one. Um, So just to remind our listeners, this is a podcast primarily designed for our members. We do have thousands of other people listening in on, um, and every, every time we record, Ross says, we're going to break the internet, Sam, (laughs) get ready to break the internet with this. But, um, this is really for our members and families and family and friend who want to, uh, tune in and check it out. But so we, what we want to do is we want to provide another avenue for us to kind of circle back on the message preached on Sunday. gives an opportunity for the preacher to um, share uh, exegetical points or different nerd points that he couldn't or shouldn't have shared on Sunday, <laughs> which is a, a real blessing so we can focus on the main point. And also to have a second try at things that they may have missed or they want to make sure they reaffirm. And so this is a great opportunity to serve our people and um, also to cover different news or events that are important and teaching opportunities for our church. So without further ado, let's start off with Ross. Can you give us an overview of kind of what you taught on this last Sunday, what passage and what was the main point? Sure. Yeah. The passage was Ephesians 1 verses 19 through 23. It's the very end of um, the first chapter of Ephesians, and it's the third point in Paul's prayer. And his prayer is that the Ephesians would know the incomparable power at work towards them who believe. And um, my main point was, are you aware of the power you have? And and the reason I, I phrased it like that, the reason that I focused on that was because Paul felt the need to pray that they would be aware of the power that they had. Um, if if it was expected that Christians would know how powerful God God was working in them, then why would they need to pray to know that if they already knew it by default? And so there must be some or some disjunction between what Christians know and what what they need to know, and certainly the evil one and the dark spiritual forces are working to try to keep believers from understanding. What, what power they have. And that's really where the, the focus of my sermon was on, on um, drilling into that point and exegeting that point. It's good. And I also want to highlight that you talked about kind of how do we walk in this more. And we had a really good illustration um, talking about good pretending. You want to circle back on that real quick again? What is good pretending? Absolutely. Yeah, it's something that I got from C.S. Lewis. Um, it's in his book, uh, I believe it's Mere Christianity. And he's addressing the person who doesn't feel like doing the right thing because, you know, we're we're cut from the Bethlehem cloth here. We believe that the emotions are very, very important. And what about people who are stuck and and God's word commands them to do something Mm -hmm. and, or they're stuck facing some sort of obstacle that they need to get over, but they just don't feel it at all in their heart. I just don't feel like doing this. I don't feel, I just don't feel connected with God. What should I do in that situation? And, and good pretending is the idea of that you pretend you did feel like you were supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- what that means is, is you ask yourself the question, what would I do if I did feel like I had God's power right now? Yeah. What would I do if I did feel like I was rejoicing in Jesus right. right now? And you can visualize it with your imagination. And then instead of staying where you are, just mm-hmm. go and do that. Right. 
And, and I think the one point that I tried to hammer home was, well, why isn't that just words? Like, why isn't that just self-help or positive thinking? Like, what's the difference between mm. that point and positive thinking? And the point is, I, I really believe that it's an act of faith when you do it, when you're trusting that God will meet you as you're obeying him to give you the heart that you need. Mm. Um, that it's, it's like a child jumping into the pool, into their father's arms. They might not feel like it but they're trusting that their father will catch them. And I just want to encourage people who feel stuck, who don't feel like obeying, who don't feel like fighting against some sort of loneliness or doubt that they have. Just really just just jump into the pool and have faith that your father is going to do hard work as you're obeying. That's good. This last week I was listening to a CCEF podcast. So CCEF is like uh, Christian counseling. And they were talking about how so often it's hard for us to walk into these new identities because they're like wearing foreign clothes, Mm. clothes. Like it doesn't fit yet. Sure. And even though we may hate our old clothes, clothing, it's all we know. It's what we're comfortable in. Right. Smells right. Fits right. Even though that's not fitting for us anymore. So it's like we've been, been wearing, you know, huge, huge clothing, um, from, from like, uh, certain, like a certain clothing that totally doesn't fit right and smells and all that, but it's all we know. And Christ comes along and gives us his garments and gives us a new idea, a new purpose. And even though it's right, we don't feel comfortable in that yet. And right. it takes time for us to acclimate. It's just like those kids who, uh, all they know is dirty water. And so when they first drink clean water, it's like, Oh, what is this? Right. It takes time for us to acclimate to what is true. Just like Martin Luther um, you remember he talks about that in, in one of his books where it's like the, the, the woman who is a prostitute who becomes queen. She's a queen from day one. She becomes like betro- married, right. but it takes a while for her to walk in the realities of being a queen. She That's reverts good. back into her old or, or just like the, the child who um, has the who gets adopted in his whole life before at the orphanage, he would have to hoard food and fight and bite to get more food and hide it in his pocket. And he goes into the new home. And for the first couple of months, he's, he's hiding food in his pockets and he's, and the, the dad says, you know, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you don't do that. You know, yeah. You're, you're a Tennyson or you're a Choi. Right. We have food that plenty of, but we kind of revert back to our old identities. And, and we, even though we hate that identity, we're comfortable with that identity and we don't yeah. want that change. And so I thought that was a, a good illustration and also, I think uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny, uh, John Piper, J Pipes, he, he has that one uh, um, saying, the aptat, right? And we don't have to go through all of it, but one of it is that he, like, you, you admit you can't do it, yeah. and you act on it, yeah. even if you don't feel like it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, aptat. And I think, yeah, one of the last um, points of aptat is you act. Yeah. Right. right. And then you thank God. Yeah. Even if you didn't feel like doing it. And so that's, so later on today, I'm going to go home and I'm not going to want to serve my family because I had a long day working and I'm sick still. Mm-hmm. And so then what do I do in the car? I sit there and say, Lord, I can't do this. Can you help me do that? Which I don't want to do. Right. And I don't, and I press in, but, 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 you know, the thought that I kept thinking is, as a big pushback is it's authenticity. I think authenticity and the, the, the desire to be authentic is one of the greatest enemies to this reality. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. And Lewis does talk about bad pretending. Hmm. Like bad pretending is when you um, say to someone, like, I'm going to help you, hmm. but then don't show up. Right. That's bad pretending. Right. And the difference here isn't that I'm giving the impression that everything's fine inside when it's not. Right. 
it's I'm acknowledging I need help. Yeah, that's good. I'm acknowledging that it's not right. And you can be open about that. I'm not asking you to tell anyone you're feeling great if you're not feeling great. I'm not asking you to tell anyone you're feeling ankle banging if you're not feeling ankle banging. Yeah. I think the good pretending is when it's it's an act of trust because it's because you don't feel good and you're open and you're okay. You're open with God about that. You're, you can be open with your DNA group when we get those going. You can be open with your brothers and sisters at APC hmm. about the fact. And that that is authentic to say, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it because... I want to obey God's word and I trust him to help me in my weakness. I think that is authentic. That's good. Um, that's more authentic than hiding. Right. That's more authentic than withdrawing. That's right. That's, that's more right. Than, than not trying at all. And our culture says that if you don't feel like it, you shouldn't do it because then it's not being authentic to yourself. Mm. But the reality is that there's a constant disconnect of what we want to be and what we are. Right. And so we're living in these two overlaps where there's a already happening and a not yet and if we live in the not if the um, not yet, then we're not going to do anything, right? We're, there's the old man is dead, but still kicking around. You know, there's a flesh still there. Exactly. And so we act in faith, even though we don't feel like it, and trust God to provide the power. Amen. Now, now going back to the message, um, can you talk a little bit more about what you wish you? So let's start off with what didn't you say on Sunday, and then we'll go into um, what you wish you said on Sunday or like, what couldn't you say on Sunday? And then what you wish you said differently or I, yeah. Like what could, what couldn't I get around to just for like time? And yeah. Like yeah. That. And you left that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of them would be like, um, I think a question that comes up because I wasn't just addressing sin. I was addressing addictions, um, psychology, um, depression, anxiety, things like that. Um, and it might've been helpful to have a discussion about the role of medications or the role of therapy. Um, I studied psychology in undergrad and, um, and, and I think that we can get caught in a false dichotomy, like either, oh man, those problems are just natural. They're just biological and we just need to treat them biologically or they're just spiritual. Mm. There's, they're just lies that the devil is telling us. Mm. And if we only prayed right and said the right things, we'd be free from them. And if we're seeing a therapist, if we're taking medication, then we're really denying the power of God. Mm. And I don't think we have to choose between the two of them because we are bodies and we're souls. We're mm. in sold. Mm. Uh, we're, we're embodied souls. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so I would just say that, um, that I think medication therapy can be helpful. I don't think it's the most foundational. Mm. I think we make that more foundational than spiritual, mm. um, power from God, breaking the enemy's lies, sure. then we're making a mistake. But, um, to say that that can supplement it would also be wrong. Mm. Um, I do think this might be a little controversial. I do think that probably psychiatric medications are probably overprescribed in our culture right now. Sure. I do think that the cultural water we're breathing right now, um, is that all, um, all, psychological, spiritual, emotional problems are purely biological because we're only biological. Which is, fits our naturalistic worldview. Right. Everything is a natural cause. Right. Yeah, that'd be the natural worldview that we're, um, that we're swimming around in right now. And so I'd say let's push against that. Let's, let's not reject it totally. Like, let's see the good things in it. Like, yeah, we are people with real bodies and, right. and medicine and, um, 
and therapy can be helpful, but also see that we're much more than just bodies. And that if we follow our culture there, we're going to miss where a lot of us really need to go. If we're going to finally be free, if we're finally going to defeat these things. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, um, I think it's an important point. Yeah. Let me jump on that. I feel like there is a sense when it comes to using medication that people are over or underdiagnosed. So there's a lot of people who should or could be on medication that would be really helpful use in moderation in the right way prescribed by professionals. Right. And they don't. Right. Because you did say that like we in our culture over prescribe. But I I would say that there's large portions of Christian Christians who are completely anti-medication and they don't touch it with a 10 foot pole. And it would be immensely helpful. Yeah. Or, or, Or even taking a step. Uh, to the side instead of just medication, even things like diet and sleep. Yeah. Like if you don't sleep regularly the the way that our bodies need, your body will break down. Exactly. And you will have, you'll struggle with depression. You'll struggle with all kinds of things. And I think it's foolish to someone just say, oh, just pray in Jesus' name to feel better. Right. You should pray in Jesus' name. And you should also ask Jesus, would you give me wisdom on the areas of my life that I need to change? Exactly. Because right? we are physical and spiritual. And so I like that you mentioned like to not dichotomize them, right? To say, oh, is that demonic or is it physical? In ways, you could kind of say yes, right? Right. Because like the evil one uses bodies and chemical imbalances and stages of life and stressors at work and so forth as means to bring our destruction to our to us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I was talking to a member in our church about this and she mentioned that um that our bodies and our minds are fallen too. Yeah, that's right. And so, um, of course, that they would be be part. If even if we have a biblical spiritual view, of course, our environments, of course, our own minds would be part of the problem if they're fallen, which that's everything right. is fallen. That's right. So addressing those is okay as long as we're addressing the whole person, including the spiritual aspects of that that's person. Right. And that's why discipleship has to. I think you know I've been thinking about this a lot of some of the benefits of trying to think about discipleship as all of life and doing it together rather than just going to a meeting or hearing a sermon together. And you don't, you're not going to pick up on unhealthy life habits. If you just see people at a gathering on a Sunday or service, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to see, Oh dude, you like never sleep or like mm-hmm. you don't eat food that like all you eat is processed food. Yeah. Now I eat my, I, I have my share of processed food, so I'm not denouncing that. Sure. Um, but what, what I'm saying is, and I like to change that more and more, but like people don't see those healthy, in health, unhealthy habits if you're not overlapping life. Mm-hmm. And those parts are areas of discipleship that affects your walk with Jesus. It affects your, your, the way you spend your money, how you spend your free time. And that's why, again, why we emphasize discipleship has to be in the everyday stuff of life because those areas are essential. And so you can be clicking on all calendar, on, on all cylinders, not calendars, cylinders when it comes to having the right thinking. But if you are missing some of those important links, you're not going to have a whole healthy spirituality That's walk right. with Jesus, right? Yeah, and, and I was talking um, one time, and John Piper mentioned that um, that getting sleep, getting the right diet, is connected to sanctification in his mind. That's right, because Jesus became a man. Yeah, to just good. to just act like um, that, my walk with the Lord is pure spiritual is actually not taking into account that the fact that God became like one of us. Mm. And um, that, that means that his goal is to sanctify the whole person. That's good. And, um, and if, we, if we neglect our own biology, that I think we're just misunderstanding that God put 
himself and man together in Jesus. Yeah. And that's the person we're following is a God man. And, and we need to, um, we need to take into account the fact that we're creatures and we have needs and those physical bodily needs mm-hmm. do have an effect on our spiritual vitality. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why do you think Jesus slept on that boat? Hmm. Was he just trying to, was he tricking everyone to set up a great teaching opportunity and a great parable in the, or not parable, but a great, you know, passage in the Bible? Or did he really need sleep? I just, I think he was tired. He was yeah. ministering to people all day. And so if you're tired, sleep, you know? Um, and I, I just think we, we can, you know, another example of someone who is, is thought to be extremely pious and spiritual, Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, he would eat smaller meals um, because he noticed that if he ate too big of a meal, he'd be too um, lethargic sure. so that he wouldn't be able to be able to pray and be in a study and engage in, in his tasks, ministerial tasks. Mm-hmm. So even you got a guy like Jonathan Edwards, who's a Puritan, who's you know super pious and cares about the soul so much. More than most of us, probably, um, and yet he see, he sees the the correlation between the way what he puts in his body and how he responds. Right, um, and so I, I think this is just something that's deeply neglected: is that we focus either only naturally or only spiritually, and we would say yes, both and. Amen. Because Amen. God has made both and integrated. Yeah. And that's good. And and just something to watch out for um, in our circles, our reform circles, where we read a lot of mm-hmm. just these heroes of the faith. A lot of them neglected their health. That's right. A lot of them worked themselves to death at an early age. Right. And so you might not be be wired, might not be receiving this um, theology, the, this right. perspective of life from a lot of the heroes that we honor, who all died at really young. That's that's um, yeah. And and you know, will I ever question like like the great things God did through them? No, but but can I look and say maybe they would have been more effective if they lived another 20 years because sure. they took care of themselves? Yeah, I agree. And I think the t- temptation is saying, oh, because God is sovereign, like, we're not saying that we can change. In one sense, God, God, okay, we're not changing the day we're going to die. Mm-hmm. But yet, we contribute to that. Like, th- if we really believe that the Bible teaches both sovereignty and human responsibility, we believe that they're they're in concert with each other. God is ultimately ordaining all things. We believe that. We believe the scriptures teach that. However, if you eat bad food, don't sleep, don't exercise, you're probably going to die younger. And that would be in one sense, part of God's ordination, but you're part of, you're playing a part. And I know I'm getting in, in crazy waters right there. But we can say that the Bible says God's sovereign, but never allows us to use that as a cop out. Yeah. To just not do things that responsible people have to do. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. God's sovereignty is never a cop out to be irresponsible. That's right. That's right. It's the other way around actually. And and I want to highlight one thing, and I know this is a rabbit trail, but hopefully this is helpful for our people. And I want to talk about the importance of sleep real quickly. Okay. I've been reading this book called Why We Sleep uh, by Matthew Walker. There's also a podcast I can share with that he talks for like two and a half hours on the Joe Rogan podcast. And it's been immensely helpful and mind-blowing. Here's a crazy thing. You know, there's there's a few people who are like, oh, I only need five hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. They are less, if you round it up, they're 0% of the population. Mm-hmm. There's a small percentage of the population, I mean, not even a percent, that have a special gene that requires them to have no more than like five hours of sleep. Right. And most people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, I, that's me. No, 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 you're, you're not. That's not you. And you got even people like Margaret, Thra- Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher, thank the you. The Iron Lady. Yes. And um, Reagan, who, yeah. who boasted that they didn't sleep much. 
And you know what? They all had Alzheimer's hmm. at the end of their life. And lack of sleep, sleep is one of the biggest uh, contributors to Alzheimer's because it builds up a certain um, issue in your brain and it starts, and, and, and that eventually will uh, degenerate into Alzheimer's. And I can't speak super um, eloquently about it at, the, at, at this point yet, but I, I've read enough to where I'm convinced. I've looked at his research. I've looked at his citations, but I'm not enough to where I can convince her. But, but this idea that we boast in our culture for sleeping little and working long hours is actually, I would say, ungodly. Hmm. It's mis mis mistaken. Uh, mistaken. Um, this idea of like, oh, I burn both ends of the wick, and and I go to bed late, and I wake up really early, and I spend time with the Lord in the morning. And I'm saying, don't wake up in the morning, and don't spend time with the Lord. But or go to bed at night, so you can't go wake to up. bed early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just commend that book or a podcast. I can share more with you guys on purpose, but it's deeply convicted me. And really, most people need seven to nine hours of sleep. If you start skimping even one hour a night over even just a week, it has detrimental long-term effects on your body if you just keep doing that um, and just one article i read lately was that social deficits and we we want to be a church where we're making disciples by relationally connecting with people mm-hmm. if you want to be able to do that get enough rest so that you can emotionally engage with other people on an effective level yeah um i get crabby i get just good um i get unfocused i stop being able to pay close attention to what other people say when yeah. i don't rest well enough well, how good of a disciple maker am i then that's right um so even even in terms of our mission um sleep is important yeah yeah so i i'm, I'm trying to retrain my mind as sleep is one of the most like important things i can do in the day hmm. which is so countercultural for me and against as you know my personality type i try to maximize everything i wish i didn't have to sleep but biologically, I need to, and it helps my memory, helps everything. Like literally, literally every part of your body is affected by your sleep, your di- even your digestion. Yeah. Everything, your memory, your immune system. <clears throat> so, all right, tangent over. <laughs> body matters. Well, I didn't expect that one. Yeah, I did not expect yeah. that. Hopefully that's helpful, guys. Um, did you have any more that you didn't say on Sunday that you left out on purpose? That I left out on purpose. Um, and then we can transition to what you wish you said differently or yeah we can transition <clears throat> all right so what what couldn't you say on sunday or what wish you wish you said differently or emphasize or so forth yeah maybe the first thing i'd say is not necessarily some content that i didn't say that i wish i said but um the way i said it or um the feeling i had when i said it um just um yeah i preached the sermon and didn't feel like i preached it from the heart as much as i wanted to preach it from the heart um i wasn't super excited about how, um, how it came out in that sense. Mm. Um, so, um, just wanted to say that like, yeah, maybe the, the sermon was prepared, but the preacher wasn't prepared yet. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, mm. I'm just now in the first 10 weeks of being a pastor. Mm. Um, I heard, heard this in seminary, you know, mm. it's not about preparing the message as much as preparing the preacher and, um, just, just seeing, um, more and more, uh, how real that is and, and how, um, essential it is to have, um, a heart that's ready to preach rather than just a finished sermon that's ready to preach. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Good. What else would you have added to this? Um, yeah, so I think, um, so my sermon was on power and, um, I think one thing that connection that I should have made that would have been helpful to make that I didn't was that, um, in the book of Ephesians, in the New Testament, um, power for the Christian is always connected to the Holy Spirit. 
Um, I think Sam Storms made this point when he came um, to the mm-hmm. pastor's conference in January when he spoke on the Holy Spirit. And he says, if, if you look throughout the Bible, almost consistently, if you see the word power, um, very close reference is the Holy Spirit. Um, even in Galatians 3, um, Paul prays, Paul's praying again. He says, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. Um, so when, when we're talking about the power Christians have, we're not talking about the force. We're not talking about a cosmic energy. We're not talking about an impersonal, um, um, energy to accomplish things. We're talking about a person, Mm. a person that indwells us. And as that person indwells us, we become new. We want new things and we do new things, do do new things that we couldn't want and we couldn't do before that person was inside of us. That's right. That's the power we're talking about. And that means that all the power comes from knowing a person. Yeah, Um, that's good. In our culture, we think that power comes from life acts and techniques. Hmm. Um, Like if I just, if I just do this the right way or if I just have the right strategy, I'm going to be more powerful. Hmm. Um, Hmm. Or seven sons of Sceva. In Acts. Yeah, remind us. Right? They they thought that if they just had the incantation, you know, in, in the in the name of Jesus, the the you know, whoever that Paul preaches. Yeah. You know, they're trying to cast out demons and they get their tails kicked. Jesus Jesus yeah. we know. Yeah, Paul we, we know, know, but but who are who you? Who are you? Because they, they didn't have a relationship. Right. So power is not this just abstract, like, kind of like, you know, when you think of Hollywood, just kind of like this, like, mist that, like, comes in, you're like, oh, the power, you know, <laughs> that power now. But it's like, there's a person you're connected to. Right. And really, the passage says it's not the power necessarily that we just have in and of ourselves. It says it's power towards you. But, right. like, how is it coming towards you? It's, I would say that's the Spirit's work. And in the context, it's right on the heels of the very end of the threefold blessings that we have in the heavenly places. And the third one is that we have the Holy Spirit who seals us. Amen. Yeah. So it's coming right after that. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's personal mm-hmm. power and it's the Holy Spirit. Um it's the Holy Spirit, and, and we want to be careful to say He's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who ha- we have access to this power. So it's not that we have power at all. No. It's in our union with Christ, connection, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So so let me ask you this. this is something I've thought through a little bit. Does one Christian have more power than the next? Does one Christian have more power than yeah. the next? Define power. Yeah, and I mean, that's the big thing, right? Yeah. It, you know, so like some, some people, especially in the charismatic realm that I grew up in and I'm still part of it in, in, in some levels is, you know, oh man, that person is powerful. Hmm. Why is that preacher more powerful? Or that person walks in many signs and wonders. Yeah, that's good. Um, so this is one thing that, um, that re- the Lord really placed on my heart last year, um, as I was you know, studying, studying Bethlehem was that, was that Jesus, um, Jesus, when he lived and obeyed God and did all his power, all his powerful works, Mm. he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's good. And when he died, he died to pour out that exact same Holy Spirit on us. Yeah. And so in one sense, we all have access to everything that gave Jesus power. We have exact access to the exact same thing that gave him power, yeah, which is mind-blowing. That's huge. Um, so in that sense, I would say no. No believer has more power than another believer mm. because 
our power is the Holy Spirit, and Jesus died to pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Sure. And so to say it, I have more access to the Holy Spirit than you do, I think would be wrong. Because so why, all, why are some people more... Why are there some people who preach the exact same text and sermon, and yet it, it lands with more power? Hmm. You know? Or just other people. They just seem like they, they're... You, you take two people... They're both, let's say, just born again. We, as if we could tell, they were like, they're, I mean, they're born again. They're elect as they can be, Christian as they can be. But yet, one just repeatedly, consistently in their life, they walk with this just kind of authority and power against sin, against the spiritual darkness, against us in their life. You, right. can, you can see that, yeah. Some people, yeah, that's good. Um, I think, I think part of it is different gifts. Okay, so like. There's just some gifts that are more seem more powerful than other gifts, but sure. If you read First Corinthians twelve, that's right. Yeah. Um, Paul's not saying, "Oh, there's gifts that are more important." He's saying all the gifts are important, and the ones that you hide are actually the most important. So, right, right, in the body. Well, I don't know if he says more more important. He said that like they're worthy of more honor. Or worthy of more honor. Right, right. I think yeah, that's a, this is a distinction there. Yeah, but right. yeah, exactly. Thank yep. you. Um, so I think it's a little bit of giftedness. Um, I think that. Um, that for some of us, it's quite frankly, maturity. Like we've just not walked with the Lord as much. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I have to think through this more, but I think there is a category for God raises up certain people sure. to manifest his power through more. Yeah. Um, you know, the, a verse that's come to mind is uh, John chapter 15, right? And talking about abiding in the vine. Why? Because he wants you to be more fruitful. Right. Apart from me, you can do no good work. Right. And so it seems like there's a correlation between those who are abiding in the vine more and more of the Holy Spirit's manifesting power out of their life. Yeah. Right. And also others who have greater faith and are trusting in his promises. And so, and, and we're, we haven't got there yet in our text in, in Ephesians, but eventually when we get to um, the latter half talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? We believe you can be filled in greater measures of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So every believer we believe is filled, but there's somehow greater measures. And yeah. Wayne Grudem talks about, it's like a balloon, right? A balloon mm-hmm. just barely blown up is filled. Yeah. But it can continue to fill up more. Yeah. It, it falls apart, obviously. Or even having the spirit in you is different than the degree to which you're manifesting his power in yeah. your life. Yeah. And we can grow in manifesting the spirit. We right. can't receive the spirit again because we have him. Right, right. Um, some theology teaches that you need to become a Christian and then receive right. the spirit. No. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit right now. That's right. But you want to grow in, in manifesting his power in your life. And you'll grow in that if you put your sin to death, if you pursue Jesus with all your heart. Um, like, I, I really believe this, that, that we don't take into account that we have the same spirit that Jesus did. And so we think yeah. that our lives should not be as dramatic and, That's right. That's and right. as they could be. Um, I do think that we're selling ourselves short and that the Christian church is, um, is not, not living, um, in the power it could live in. Um, if, if it really believed that God poured out the Holy Spirit on us and we could manifest it more if we really went after God with everything. Well, and, and what does Jesus say in John 14? Truly, truly, I say to you, and oh, it's amazing. He says, truly, truly, like, I, I want you to believe this. This yeah. is true. You can bank on this. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. 
Right. Right, because he's going to give us a spirit. And that's what he even says to them in Acts, right? Hey, go, wait, tarry in Jerusalem because you will be receiving power because they'll have the Holy Spirit. Right. So we have the Holy Spirit. And so let's stop pulling the deity card on Jesus saying, oh, well, Jesus did that because he's God. Right. Well, yeah, he is God, but he was. But he acted as a man. Yeah, right. He was depending on the Holy Spirit. And we have that same access to the Holy Spirit if we merely step into it and believe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. That's good. That's good. How, how uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention is is this idea of um, power in relationships. Because you mentioned power over sin and power for, like, depression and so forth. Right. But there are a lot of us who have relationships that are strained and we feel like there's no hope. Hmm. And to just believe that the Holy Spirit has power to help you love in, love in the darkness, love when it's hard, and to see a relationship redeemed. Yeah. And so we kind of have a defeatist mentality over a certain sense. Oh, I'll always be addicted to that. I'll always fall into that. But also a mindset of like, man, I like this. my marriage can come back from death. Hmm. Like believing the Holy Spirit can empower you in those ways also. That's right. Yeah, we should believe that things should happen in our lives that would only make sense if the Holy Spirit did it. That's right. Um which means that unexpected things, we have to have categories for unexpected things can happen. Like this marriage working. That's right. Where the majority of marriages are ending in divorce in the church, out of the church. Okay. So we're fighting. We're probably gonna get divorced, but God, yeah. Like, do we, do we have that category? And I totally think that this passage applies to this. And, And it also, if we are finding ourselves not, experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in this kind of victorious Christian life that Jesus has purchased for us, it begs the question, are we stepping out in faith at all in our lives in such a way where we need the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Or are we consistently putting ourselves in positions of safety to where we don't even need the Holy Spirit to act because right. we have all our bases covered? Right. Yeah. Um, and one, one thought I have is that like, the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay. That's mm-hmm. insane back then. Correct. Like, that, like the, all nations are like mm-hmm. the barbarians. That's right. Um, and they were deeply prejudiced, uh, have deep prejudices. Against Christians. Sumerians. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Jerusalem, Judea, Sumerians, Samaritans, what, Samaria, and yeah. all the earth. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we don't do that. And then Jesus says, behold, I'll be with you always until the end of the age. Right. Why you're making disciples. Right. So if you sit around and wait until you he's with you right. or you feel like he's with you to make disciples, but he actually promised, I'll be with you as you're making disciples. That's right. When are you going to feel him? That's right. You'll never will. Yeah. Um, That's good. So, so I think his promises, yeah, they become more real to us when we're really obeying him. Yeah. And, and not just obeying when it comes to mission and making disciples to, to unbelieving world that needs Jesus, but also just in our day-to-day life. Are you trying to step in areas that are impossible apart from Christ? And that can be as simple as, are you going to serve your family when you feel dead tired? Or are you going to say, no, I don't. I don't need to serve them. I'm dead tired. I had a long day. Yeah. We're saying, you know what? I can't serve them. I'm dead tired, but I have the Holy Spirit who can empower me to live out the identity of a servant and yeah. to serve. Yep. Amen. And I also want to mention, um, I guess it's just, it's just adult listeners. So pornography, mm. um, I believe that there are people listening to this right now who are addicted to pornography. Sure. And that is, I believe it's killing the church right now. No? Like it is like the mm-hmm. disease that's ravishing the church. And yeah, I, I'm someone who can testify right now and say mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is enough to deliver addicts from pornography because Amen. I am delivered from it. 
Yeah. And I was a hopeless addict. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So don't believe the lie that the spirit is inadequate to deliver you from, from, from pornography. So good. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And as was I, and, uh, the Holy spirit was enough. And, um, and, you know, some of this, it just comes down to just, it, it is almost as simple as letting the light click on. Like I remember when I read Romans eight twelve, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of flesh, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's the spirit. It's not my strength. Mm. And all of a sudden I had so much more power. And obviously I need to learn more ways to fight and ways to hedge myself and so forth. But it was that passage that changed the game for me Wow! and realizing, oh, and then I needed to learn more like confessing to one another. And that was another huge battle one that for my, my victory against uh, lust in, in that particular way. But some of it just comes down to just walking in. And so what do you say to the person who hears it? It sounds nice, but it's just, it's not clicking. Sure. How do they? How do they get to the point where they, that that becomes something that they don't just believe mentally, but their heart believes and embraces? They're actually experiencing the power. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, I think what you said was super important. Um, that so often the spirit works when he's acknowledged mm. that he's working. Like if, if we're trying to get the spirit's power, but we're still acting like it's up to us, and we're still acknowledging ourselves, um, it's not very likely that the spirit's going to move in that situation. Yeah. Um, so. At the Holy Spirit Conference, Pastor John spoke, um, the one I referred to earlier, Sam Storms. Okay, okay, yeah. And in his message, he brought up um, Galatians um, 3, verse 2. And what he said is, um, or, or actually verse 3, or verse 2, um, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Um, yeah. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law by hearing with faith. So works of the law would be mm. things that I do. Yeah. Like, are you trying to experience this power depending on yourself? Right. Um, or is it hearing with faith mm. and in hearing with faith, um, means are you believing the things that God said in this word? Are you believing the promises? That's what Piper went back to that the promises of God being trusted in, by God's people unleashes the power of the spirit of God to change you. Um, so Piper said, how many promises do you have memorized? Like how many promises do you, can you recite in different situations? Mm. If you can't recite the word of God ever mm. and you expect God's spirit to show up and deliver you from something, yeah. it can happen, but but it's going to help if, if we're hearing God's promises with faith. Um, Isaiah forty one ten says, mm-hmm. um, "Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand." Mm-hmm. If you're able to pause and, and pray that prayer and mean it and trust God, yeah. um, I think at that point you're moved from works of the law to hearing with faith. Yeah, um, and that's 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 just the whole way we want to live our lives. Um, well, what do you say to the person who says, "Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I did memorize that. I mm-hmm. have said it over myself. I prayed over it, and it doesn't feel like anything's happening." Sure. So they're at the point where they're memorized it, they're praying it, yeah. they're receiving it, but still nothing. Um, I really, I really think at that point, that's that's where I think um, you need to start going back to the good pretending. Okay, um, that's good. Just, just um, okay. I'm not feeling the power yet. But ask yourself the question, do I trust God that he'll give me what I need to obey him? Sure. If you do, if you really believe that, yeah. you obey. 
you, even if you don't feel like he yet, if you believe he's going to meet you as you obey sure. or do whatever he's calling you to do that you feel powerless to do. Yeah. Okay. Then, then I, then I think you just, you need to act first and that's not, not just a tactic. That is an act of faith. That's, good. that's an act of faith, trusting God to, to help you as you do it. That's good. Um, so that's, that's where I would start. That's where I would go. Yeah. And, and I would add that there's something to be said about taking a text and pounding it for a season to where it goes in and layers and layers. So imagine that like a hammer trying to pound it into a surface. Mm. And at first you just, it's hard, mm-hmm. but over time it starts to give way and it gets deeper and deeper. Sure. And so there's certain passages that I have a hard time believing in. What I'll do is I'll take it and I'll not only memorize it, I'll meditate on it, think about it, think about it, listen to sermons on it, read commentaries on it, read books on it, just over and over in multiple lenses and just rate, say it over and over again and ask the Holy Spirit to unlock it and make it real. Sure. And in times it comes. And I think we're, I think we're lazy sometimes. We want it really quick. Oh, I read it one time. I heard it one time. I memorized it. I mean, reality, one verse, most people can memorize pretty quickly. Right. But that doesn't mean you've really sat on it. And, and, and there's a rich history throughout church history and even in rabbinic history where people would take a passage and just, just simmer on it forever. Right. And, and the word of God is that powerful and that deep that you can do that. It's not just a self-help line. And I think there's something to be said of laboring over one reality, just like I've talked about over and over again about my uh, relationship with my father and how Romans eight and just re- meditating that God is my dad and adopting me and wanting me was just transforming and how wow. I spent hours over just saying that passage over and over again in different ways, and those realities. And, and it just, it took time and it started to unleash more and more reality and it became more and more real to me. Yeah. And there's this, this quote from Luther where when, when he, you know, rediscovered the doctrine of justification, there's a verse in Romans, Romans 116, that, that, that realization came through. And there's this um, quote from him where he says, I labored and I beat my head against the text over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again. And, I, and I'm not asking you to start the reformation, but can you, can you have that same kind of hunger for the word? Yeah. That same kind of intensity and going after understanding God's word in your heart. Yeah. Um, just to get you to live with the power God wants you to live with. That's right. Yeah. And, and one thing that we haven't mentioned is the power of community speaking these truths over you. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause sometimes I remember there's a number of times where I've met with friends that said, Hey, I know the right answer, but I need you to say it to me. Hmm. Right. Like That's I good. know for Sean one nine says that I am forgiven. Yeah. But I need you to remind me. That's right. right. Well, that's why um, some churches do uh, assurance pardon, right? Because we're not pardoning you. We're just reminding you of the pardon. It's just so helpful to hear another person speak those truths. Yeah. And so that's why our DNA groups are so essential. Do you like this little segue? Oh, that's good. you like that? Yeah, that's really that? that's DNA are so important. So we have people to speak. So when DNA, Discover, Nurture, Act, we want to nurture these truths and speak these gospel truths that we all believe, at least theoretically, but maybe we're not walking in line with that reality. Yeah. And so, Hey Sam, I want to remind you, you are a son. I want to remind you, you have power, Amen. even though you may not feel it. So we don't just do it on our own and like go and beat our heads with our Bibles in our closets, but we do it together as a community. Right. We do both hand. And it's <clears throat> right. And yeah. So like this lone wolf Christianity that we've been conditioned into in our culture, if you compare that against the new Testament, against Jesus's life, against Paul's letters, that's just insane. That's right. you, you can't you can't get that anywhere. You have to completely invent that outside of the Bible, um, because almost every command is in the plural in the Bible. That's right. 
Jesus is always with his disciples, whether it's the three or the 12 or the 72. That's the only right. thing he does, goes to do alone is pray. Yeah. But then he's back with the disciples. And so. he also prays together with them. And he's they're like, teach us how to pray. Yeah. And he's so. like, why are you guys sleeping? <laughs> We're supposed to be praying together. And That's right. All this stuff. So, um, yeah. So we have a lot of, I have a lot of work to unwire myself from mm, that mentality. Me um, That's good. So it's good. Any, any final thoughts that you want to share about the sermon? Um, no, um, nothing, nothing that comes to mind. Well, I want to make one final exhortation to our people regarding DNA groups. We're launching them this month, and we, you know the people in your group. And I just really want to encourage you guys to take this mantle. You guys are the foundation of our church's culture when it comes to DNA groups, and to take it really seriously. Uh, we're going to be using this curriculum on how to from SOMA on how to uh, grow as disciples. Own it and really own your group. Like these are the people you're going to prioritize in your disciple making. That you're going to own own this um, and that you would um, know that you are the primary ministers of all people's church. Mm -hmm. Ross and I, our goal is to equip you and we do minister ourselves, but our goal is to help you do the work of ministry God has for you. And so we're going to say that over and over again. You are the primary ministers of all people's church. That's right. And so how are you going to minister to your DNA group? And how are you going to minister to me if you're my DNA group or Ross or other people? And whether you're newer in the faith, um, still growing, we're also growing, obviously, newer in the faith or been in the faith for a while, that we all can help each other follow Jesus Amen. in everyday life. And so yeah. that's our goal. We have to have a total paradigm shift. The Sunday service... That is not the work of the ministry. That's right. That is not the work of the ministry. Yeah. That unleashes you to the work of the ministry. Right. That's just a start. That's not the That's end. Right. Ministry happens there for sure. Thank you for that. Yes. But for that correction, that overstatement. Yes, that's good. Yes. We don't want to overstate and yeah. poo-poo on Sunday gatherings. Yes. But but primarily we want it. That's an equipping and an unleashing time mm -hmm. um, into the neighborhoods, into nations. That's right. Where, where people are who, who need to hear about Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, so on that, we're going to wrap up this midweek podcast. Scott, we thought this was going to be short. Was this short? No, it was not. I don't think this was no, short. No, not short at all. Okay. Maybe it's longest. So I apologize <laughs> if we went longer than we should have, but hopefully that was a helpful discussion for you. And um, we're going to be gathering, our MCs are going to be gathering tonight. So we'll see you guys then. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you guys.